turn to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. If you're wondering where Philippians 4 is or wonder the book of Philippians is in your New Testament, second half of your Bible, uh, and uh, we're going to be looking at Philippians chapter 4 today. Uh, we're doing a series here at Thrive. It's called Greater. Everyone say Greater. And this series called Greater is about stepping into a greater version of yourself this coming year. It's because we really believe that there is a greater version of you that wants to come out of you this coming year. It's a more resilient you. It's a more patient you. It's a wiser you. It's a more loving you. It's a more effective you. It's a greater you. Turn to me and say, it's a greater you. And this is what this series called Greater is all about, stepping into that greater version of who we were made to be. And see, today, uh, as a continuation of this series, and have you enjoyed this series so far? We've had so much fun, and we've learned a lot in this series. But today, I'm here to share with you an important message as a part of the series. The series is called Greater. The message this morning is called Peace That's Greater Than Your Problem. Peace That's Greater Than Your Problem. And I'm here to tell you today that the greater version of you is a more peaceful version of you. It's a version of you that's able to withstand pressure. It's a, it's a version of you that's not easily shaken by the worries and frustrations that you go through from day to day. It's a version of you that's able to handle worries and pressures in a healthy way. It's a more peaceful version of you. And this, that's why this morning we're going to talk about the peace that's greater than your problem. Thanks so much, Hans. We're going to be going to a message this morning on the peace that God gives. But I want to begin today by telling you a little bit about someone that I grew up listening to a lot when I was growing up as a kid. Uh, the one recording artist, probably besides the Beatles, that I listened to a lot as a kid was Whitney Houston. Any Whitney Houston fans here? Her number one hit songs have defined a generation. Everything from, you know, I get so emotional, baby, every time I think of you, right? To stuff like, uh, uh, what is it? Oh, yeah. Uh, I believe the children are future. Teach them well and let them lead the way. Or into like, a, oh, yeah, I'm every woman. It's all, I know it's kind of weird for your pastor to be saying, I'm every woman. That's one of, that's one of her hit songs. There's another one, of course, probably her most famous song. It's, and I. Love you, who I and all that. I'm, not, I'm no Whitney Houston by any means, but I just really enjoyed her music growing up back in the 80s and 90s. And I think this to, to this day, I don't think I've ever heard a voice quite like Whitney Houston's. And no one who's quite had that range of talent with her voice the way that Whitney Houston had. Once I was watching an interview of a music producer who had the chance to work with some of the greatest performers over the past 50 years, and he said something. He was comparing two people. He was comparing Canada's very own Celine Dion with Whitney Houston. This is what he said. He first talked about Celine Dion. He said, Celine Dion is incredible. If you tell her exactly how you want a song to be sung, she will listen to what you say, then she'll go into the studio, she'll take the mic, and she'll do it exactly the way that you told her to do it, with beauty and with precision. That's Celine Dion. But then he started talking about Whitney Houston and said, you know, but Whitney Houston is in a whole nother world to herself. Is that you will tell her how you want her to sing a song. She'll listen to what you have to say, she'll go into the studio, she'll take that mic, and she will sing it in a way that is way different and way more beautiful and way more mind-blowing than anything that you could have thought of or imagined. That was the talent of Whitney Houston. And the fact is this, there's probably no female entertainer that has impacted the pop music world quite like Whitney Houston did. She was known to many as The Voice. 
she had uh, a voice that was considered by people to be a national treasure in the U.S., known by some to be perhaps the greatest female entertainer of the 20th century. Whitney Houston seemed to have it all. She had fame. She had fortune. She, of course, had the looks of a model. She had a modeling career as well. She was one of the most successful, most accomplished pop recording artists of all time. And once I was watching a recording of a documentary on Whitney Houston, and it was really interesting to me that you know the, her music producers, they would present her with uh, this image of being this perfect girl next door who came from a very happy family, when in fact, Whitney Houston came from a very, very painful and difficult past. Uh, her family was a broken family. Uh, they came from not a whole lot financially. Uh, she went through incredible amounts of pain in her life. She grew up going to church. She even sang in the choir. But you know, I'm not sure if growing up in church she ever had a chance to give her pain to God, or even if she had the chance, whether she did. I'm not sure if she had a chance to develop some of the habits that we talk about here at Thrive, especially at Thrive Disciples School, about how to grow in your relationship with God. She was a Christian. She would even record a gospel album. But when the pressures and the stresses of life for Whitney Houston came her way, uh, it wasn't so much prayer, but it was partying and drugs that she would run to more than anything else. And it began with marijuana, uh, which her brothers actually introduced to her. They're her bodyguards and were also, I guess, having fun with her at the same time. And they gave her marijuana. That eventually led to cocaine and harder drugs, uh, various pills. Eventually, after a decade of struggling with drug addiction, a decade of going in and out of rehab centers, a decade of trying to get back on her feet and get back to a career that had changed the world, uh, Whitney Houston passed away at the age of 49. And uh, you know, they found her in her hotel room in a bathtub uh, after taking drugs. And see, what struck me was when I was watching this documentary on how different members of Whitney Houston's family, different co-workers of Whitney Houston, different friends of Whitney Houston would all say something similar, which is that Whitney was looking all her life for a piece that for some reason her fame, her fortune, her accomplishments, her family, and, and drugs could not afford her. And when I saw that documentary, for me, it was just a real-life reminder, a real-life lesson in the fact that the world cannot give you the peace you're looking for. Is that you and I, we long for a peace that the world cannot give. You know, last week I took a little bit of time to talk with you guys before the message about the legalization of marijuana how you know, Canada is now the second nation in the world that has legalized marijuana. And I, I'm here to tell you once again today is that the peace that the world offers is nothing more than an escape. It's a peace that takes you away from your trouble for a moment. But after you take that drug and the high goes away, after you watch that film and the film credits roll, after you go on vacation, you come back from that vacation, you go back to the same problems you had before, nothing really changes except maybe you're just a little bit more financially poor and a bit more physically drained. But the peace that Jesus offers is so different. The peace that Jesus offers is not just an escape. It's not just something that takes you away from your trouble. But the peace that Jesus offers takes you through your trouble is that the peace that Jesus offers is a peace that helps you make better decisions. It's a peace that stabilizes you so you can actually get through the real stuff you're going through right now. That's why Jesus says, peace I leave you, my peace I give you, I do not give as the world gives. It's because Jesus gives us a peace that the world cannot give. And that, of course, sounds great. That might sound really nice. But practically speaking, how do you experience that kind of peace? 
How do you practically experience the peace that Jesus offers? Not just even here on a Sunday morning when you're at church, but on the Monday, the Tuesday, the Saturday, the, the Thursday, when you're going through some of the biggest frustrations that you're going through right now. How do you experience the peace that Jesus offers? That's what we're going to talk about today. And if there's one sense that I want you to write down today, and I hope to take some good notes this morning, it's this one right now. Write this down. The key to a peace that's greater than your problem is prayer. The key to a peace that's greater than your problem is prayer. I want to take you to Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. This is our main passage for today, although we're looking at other passages this morning. Why don't you look at Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, and would you read with me this very famous passage on prayer? Read it with me in a big, loud voice. What does it say? It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. See, what is Paul saying in these two verses? He's talking about how do you experience a peace from Jesus? It comes through prayer. Everyone say prayer. He says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. He's talking about prayer and how it leads to a peace that's greater than your problems. Let, let me tell you a few things about the peace that, that, that we can find in prayer. The first is this. Why don't you underline these two words in verse 7, of God. It's a peace of God. In other words, this peace that we're talking about that you access through prayer is not something that you manufacture for yourself. It's not something that you create. It's not something that you make up. It's a peace from God. Through prayer, you can access something that is not your own. It's the peace of God. Everyone say the peace of God. Another three words I want you to underline is transcends all understanding. What does that mean? In other words, it's a peace that you can't fully explain. You might be in the middle of the darkest, most difficult season of your life, and yet somehow God makes available to us a peace that passes our understanding. We're like, it's like, I'm, it's like I, I should be super stressed right now. I should be super frustrated right now. I should be super bitter right now. And yet there's a peace that passes understanding that is on me today that enables me to somehow face what I'm going through. It's a, it's a peace that passes or transcends understanding. There's a third aspect to this peace that we find in Jesus through prayer, and, that, and you can underline these words. Guard your hearts and your minds. Guard your hearts and your minds. Notice this. The peace that God gives isn't just an escape. It's protection. It protects you. See, it guards your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus, it says. See, if you look at the original Greek for the word guard, the word guard in Greek is phoreo. It's a military term. It's the term that you use when an army general posts armed guards to protect an area. And see, Paul's basically saying that the peace that Jesus makes available to you is like a security guard that stands at the door of your heart that stands at the door of your mind so that you will not be attacked or disturbed by anything that would do you harm otherwise. That's the peace of God. It is a protecting peace. It is a shielding peace. It's a shield that guards your heart and your mind. It's kind of like you have your own personal bodyguard called the peace of God. Amen. And, and see, it's not a bodyguard. It's, maybe it's more like a heart guard or a mind guard because it's guarding your heart and your mind. And so practically speaking, let me ask you this. How do you get there? How do you get to this peace, which is of God, which transcends all understanding, which guards your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus? How do you get there? We're going to be talking about that today because we're talking about prayer, and maybe you're someone who from time to time 
praise. Maybe you pray, but maybe you find that sometimes you're not really sure what you're praying, and you're not really sure if it's making any difference at all. Sometimes I find that it's not a question of whether you pray, but how you pray. And that's what we talked about today. Today I want to show you how you can pray in a way that results in a peace that's greater than your problem. Are you guys ready this morning? Are you guys ready to find something good from God's word this morning? Let me tell you this. How do you practically experience the peace that passes understanding? How do you pray to get there? Well, let me tell you this. Whenever I go shopping, it really helps me to look at a mannequin or a model in the store. Does that help you? For me, I think it's because, you know, given my looks, given my physique, I, look, I feel like I'm looking in the mirror. I'm, I'm, I'm totally kidding. The, the fact is this, is that like that mannequin or that model shows me how that piece of clothing can be worn. And so I find that actually really helpful. And, and so, you know, oftentimes I'll look at the mannequin first and say, okay, that's how it can look. That's how you can wear it. And let me tell you this, is that when it comes to how do you wear God's word in your life, how do you wear Philippians 4, 6, and 7, the best, greatest supermodel that you have, his name is Jesus. Amen? More so than Cindy Crawford, more so than Elle McPherson, more so than Tyson Beckford, more so than Kate Moss. The greatest supermodel of all time is Jesus Christ. And we're going to be looking at how he models Philippians 4, 6, and 7 for us today. Could you go with me to Mark chapter 14? We're going to take another passage this morning from the Bible. Hopefully that's not too much for you. It's not too much for you, is it? You guys are okay? Yeah? Praise God. For, Mark, praise God. Mark 14, starting with verse 32. It's on the screen, but I encourage you to turn to it as well. Would you read these 10 verses with me in a big, loud voice? Let the last verse ring out just as loudly as the first verse that you read. Let's read this in a big, loud voice together. One, two, three, it says, They went to a place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He said to them, stay here and keep watch. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Could you not keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Once more he went away and prayed the same thing. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to say to him. Returning the third time, he said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Enough, the hour has come. Look, the son of man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. See, what's going on in this passage? See, what's going on is this, is that this is Jesus on the worst night of his life. This is Jesus on the most stressful night of his life. See, Jesus knows that moments after what we've read, he's going to be betrayed. And Jesus knows that hours after what we just read, the next day, Jesus is going to the cross. He's going to die the most excruciating, most humiliating death anyone would ever die. The most excruciating death. In fact, you know, the word excruciating comes from the word crucifixion. That's where it comes from, is that when you're going through an excruciating time, the the original idea was from the crucifixion, is that Jesus is about to go to his death. And so as a result, knowing that Jesus is the most stressed that he has ever been. And not just that, Jesus is more stressed than you will ever be. You see, praise God that we will never have to go through the stress that Jesus went through because he went through it on our behalf. Amen. 
And see, it was so stressful that for, the, for, for, for Luke, one of the gospel writers, when you read the gospel of Luke and, and Luke's account of what was going on in this passage that we just read, Jesus at the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus praying to his father. Je, Luke, he, he mentions one detail that Mark doesn't, which is this, is that Jesus, he's so stressed that his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Now, before you write that off as, oh, that's just legend, or that's just fiction, or that's just exaggeration, do you know that it is humanly possible to sweat blood? It's, there's actually a medical term for it. It's called hematidrosis. It's where the blood vessels that feed your sweat glands rupture, they burst, so that when you sweat, you're not just sweating sweat anymore, you're sweating blood. And it's found to happen in rare situations where people are experiencing acute fear and extreme stress in traumatic kind of situations. That's the kind of stress that Jesus was in. Jesus is literally at the Garden of Gethsemane shedding his blood, sweat, and tears as he prays. That's how stressed Jesus is. And yet, as difficult of a time as Jesus is going through, as stressed as he is going into that time of prayer, the amazing thing is this. Jesus walks away from the Garden of Gethsemane. He walks away from that time of prayer with a peace that's greater than his problem. He walks away with a peace that enables him to go from, my heart is overwhelmed with sorrow, I don't want to do this, to, rise, let's go, here comes my, here comes my betrayer is that he goes from having no peace, being super stressed, to let's go, let's do this, we can handle it. And see, what was it about the way Jesus prayed that enabled him to get to that place where he had a peace that was bigger than his problem, a peace that caused him not to run away, a peace that helped him to face the difficult situation that he was facing. I'm going to submit to you today that there are three things that Jesus did while he was praying to his father that enabled him to experience a peace that's greater than your problem. And if you're going through a stressful time right now, if you're going through an uncertain, scary time right now, then you need to know these three things so you can do the same thing when you pray to God. Because it's through these three things that you're going to start experiencing a bit more of what we're talking about today, which is the peace that's greater than your problem. Are you guys ready? Here we go. We're going we're to talk about these things. And the fact is these three things, you, cannot, you, you can do them in any particular order. It's not necessarily step one, step two, step three. And we're going to see that a little bit more in a bit. But here are three ways you can experience greater peace through prayer. Number one, write this down. Honestly tell God about your trouble and what you want to see happen. Honestly tell God about your trouble and what you want to see happen. See, could you read with me Mark chapter 14, verse 32 again? We're going to read a few verses there. Read it with me in big, loud voice. What does it say? It says, they went to a place called Gethsemane. And Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from here. here just, just, just stop right there. Stop right there. See what's going on. Jesus is overwhelmed with sorrow. He's overwhelmed with grief. He's overwhelmed with stress. And he's got his disciples with him. He's got Peter, James, and John, his inner three, his closest ones with him. And he's, you know, he's kind of sharing with them. But at that point, he feels like, you know, that's not enough. I need to go a little farther. I need to go and be with my father. And, and see, here's the thing. What can we learn from that is that there's a certain comfort that comes from being with friends. There's a certain comfort that comes from being with people. But nothing replaces the comfort that comes from being with God. When you're going through problems, you don't just talk to people. you got to talk to God. 
Because he's the one who can give you what your friends cannot give you. Look at verse 36. What does he say? He says, Abba, Father. By the way, what does, what does Abba mean? Abba is a name in Aramaic for dad or daddy. It's an intimate way to call your father. Abba, Father, Jesus said. Everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. If you have your Bibles in front of you, can you underline those words? Take this cup from me. See, what does this cup mean? See, this cup that Jesus is referring to is not a physical cup. It's a cup that represents his suffering and his trouble. It's the cup that represents the fact that he's going to have to suffer and die on the cross for our sins in just a few hours after he prays. And see, three times before this moment, Jesus predicted that he would be betrayed by one of his closest friends. He would be arrested on, uh, upon, you know, uh, upon charges that he didn't commit. He would be convicted. He would be then put on a cross to die for our sins. Three times Jesus predicted. And I don't know if about you, but, but when I read those accounts of Jesus predicting his death that was going to happen a little bit further on, I don't get the sense that Jesus is scared. I don't get the sense that Jesus is sorrowful. I get the sense that Jesus is almost just being a strong, brave leader and a strong, brave prophet. And he's just kind of saying, yeah, this is what's going to happen. We're going to do that. And, and, and see, I don't get the sense that he's in any way feeling scared or, or sorrowful at all. But now, alone with his father, in this passage, Jesus is brutally honest with his father about his struggles and his desires. What is he saying? He's basically saying, when he says, you know, Abba, Father, everything's possible for you. Take this cup from me. What is he saying? He's basically saying, Dad, I'm scared. I'm stressed. Can I not do this, please? Can, can I do, I don't want to do this. Can I not do this? And, and see, in the same way, you know, Jesus, he's able to tell his father that. He doesn't really necessarily tell his disciples that. And, and what is the lesson there is that you might not feel like you can be completely transparent with everyone. No one expects you to. It's not that you're lying to everyone. No, it's just that if you, you, you know what I'm talking about when I say that, you know, we all kind of have layers to what we go through. Our, our lives have layers. And, and for some people that we don't know really well, we, we show them the, the, the most surface, most superficial layer. Hey, how's it going? Good, good. You? Yeah, good, good, yeah. When, in fact, maybe you're dying inside. You don't tell them anything because you're showing them their super, the most superficial layer. But then for other people who are closer to you, you'll peel back the layers a little bit more. Peel back the layers a little bit like an onion. Peel back the layers a little bit like an orange. And you'll show them a little bit more what's on the inside of you. And say, you know what? It's a really rough time right now. My marriage is really struggling right now. My life is in the dumps right now. And you, and you kind of peel back a little bit more. And I'm here to tell you today is that just as Jesus was able to peel back completely to his father, you can do the same. You can be completely honest with God. See, here's the fact is that not everyone can take your one 100% honesty and transparency, but you can be 100% honest and transparent with God. Psalm 51 verse 17 says it this way. Read with me loud voice. What does it say? It says, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. In other words, if you are broken today, if you're brokenhearted, if your spirit feels broken, if you're depressed, you don't have to hide those things from God. You don't have to sugarcoat these things when you pray. Since God already knows everything about you and everything that you're thinking, you might as well be honest with him. Amen. Psalm 62, verse 8 says it this way. It says, read it with me. It says, trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. And see, what does that mean? In other words, you don't need to hold back when you talk to God. 
You don't need to pretend that you're someone that you're not when you talk to God. You don't have to perform in front of God when you pray. You don't need to hold back your emotions. In fact, I I believe this as your pastor, that when you worship God, I don't want you to hold back. When you give God worship and praise and thanks, I want you to give all your worship and all your praise and all your thanks. Don't just put your hands in your pockets. Don't just fold your arms as if God is not great, but you want to give God all of your worship. Amen. Some of you have your arms folded as you're listening to me. I said, give God all of your worship. Amen. Amen. You don't want to hold back. Amen. You don't want to hold back. But when you're going through struggles, when you're going through difficult times, when you're going through the hardest points of your life, you also don't want to hold back with God. You can let him in on everything you're going through because he knows it already. You can say, God, I'm angry. God, I'm scared. God, I'm worried. God, I'm frustrated. Now, you might be here going, oh, JB, if God already knows what I'm thinking, why should I bother telling him? I, I, I hate it when people tell me stuff I already know. I don't want to bother God with that. The fact is this. Why does God still tell you to tell him honestly, even though he already knows? Why? Let me tell you one reason why. It's because God made you to have a relationship with him that's built on intimacy and trust. A relationship of intimacy and trust is only possible if you're honest. And so that's why God wants you to be honest with him. Because in spilling your beans, in talking to God about what's going on, there's intimacy that develops. There's trust that develops. There's humility that develops. And so if you want a relationship with God that has intimacy and trust, if you want the you know, I and T of a relationship with God, it, you know, if you want the it factor in your relationship with God, then you need to be honest. Turn to him and say, you need to be honest. Look at Psalm 139, verse 19 to 24 with me. Read it with me, big loud voice. What does it say? It says, if only you would slay the wicked, O God. Away from me, you bloodthirsty men. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord, and abhor those who rise up against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Some people who are new to the Bible are like, what? Wait, 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 wait. I thought Christians were supposed to be loving. Why is he talking about, I have nothing but hatred for them? Aren't you supposed to love your enemies? See, what's going on here? See, this is one of the things I love about the Bible, especially the Psalms, is that it's raw emotion. It's not held back, but it's the raw emotion we feel, you know, prayed out to God. And see, what's going on here is David. Everyone say David. David is writing this Psalm, and he's writing at a time when he is extremely angry at some people around him. And he's being brutally honest with God about his feelings. And so that's why he says, you know, I hate those people. I'm so angry at them. I count them my enemies. David is being honest with God. And just as you want to be honest with God. But see, David does one more thing. Keep on going with verse 23. What does he say? After unloading all that he feels honestly, after unloading his anger, after giving God the honest, you know, spiel on where he's at, he then says this in verse 23. Read it with me. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. See what's going on is that David, after being honest with God about where he's at, after being honest with God about how he feels, he goes on to do the second thing we're going to talk about today, which is this. Number, Number two, write this down, is surrender your burden to God. Surrender your burden to God. Let's all read Mark chapter 14, verse 36 one more time. I'm going to highlight one more thing in that verse for you. Would you read it with me? Verse 36 says, Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. See, what's Jesus doing? See, after telling his father how he honestly feels and what he honestly wants, 
Jesus surrenders the situation to his father. He says, not what I will, but what you will. In other words, not what I want, but what you want. Let's do it your way. Even though this is how I feel about it, let's do it your way. He's surrendering to God. I'm going to ask uh, uh, Andrew to come up really quick. Andrew's been my model for a couple things. Uh, you know, he was Jesus, I think, a couple of weeks ago. And uh, he's going to be just a, a good friend. Uh, and he's a good friend. Uh, and uh, we're, he's going to be a friend of mine in, in this little illustration for you. Is this? Is that, I find this is that uh, a lot of times when we're going through really difficult things, when we're carrying burdens with ourselves, uh, we kind of take them in this secret can of ours that we kind of hold inside. Uh, and, you know, we don't really tell anyone. With most people, you know, we'll be like, oh, yeah, how's it going? Oh, good, good, you, you, yeah, yeah, good, good. And, and we don't really talk about it. But then there might be one or two or, if you're lucky, maybe a group of people that you can go to and just say, hey, this is what I'm going through. And you talk about your problem. You're listening. You know, they're, they're hopefully a good listener. You're saying, hey, this is what I'm going through. My marriage is in, in the dumps right now. You know, my, I, I'm stressed out at work. I'm so, like, irritated at this one person at work right now and all that stuff. And, 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 and what, what's going on is that you have an opportunity at that point to finally spill your beans and so here we go he goes, oh, and you're just like you're, you're, you're spilling your guts right and then and you know if he was a good friend he'll, he'll kind of help you to you know just kind of listen and he'll be there to almost like help you pick up the pieces a little bit and he'll, he'll kind of put it back in that can for you thank you so much Andrew thank you so much and he's you know he, and, and you're gonna find this that sometimes it helps to talk to other people sometimes it doesn't help to talk to other people sometimes it depending on how they respond if they get really freaked out and go don't talk to me about this then that doesn't help but if they're you know a good friend if they're if they're there to listen if they're there to respond with love then that's helpful but see, this is what I find, is that uh, sometimes you don't just need someone that you can unload on, someone you can vent to, but what you need is someone you can give your burden to. Not just someone who can, for a moment, hear you out and unload, but someone you can pass the burden to. Let's give Andrew a big hand this place right now. Can we do that right now? Thank you, Andrew. And see, what I'm talking about here is that's why the Bible says that with God, Don't just tell him honestly where you're at. Give your burden to him. Transfer ownership of the problem to him. Say, God, I give this burden to you. And and see, look at 1 Peter chapter 5 or 7 with me. Can you read it with a big loud voice? 1, 2, 3, it says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Would you turn to him and say, God cares for you? Turn the person in front of you or behind you and say, God cares for you. God cares for you. And how do I know that? Is it just because, you know, it sounds good to say it? Is it simply because of that? No, God cares for you. And the reason why I know that is because long before you ever cared about God, God was caring for you. Is that long before you ever even tried to reach God, not as if you could, long before we ever thought about God, is that God was thinking of us when we had sinned against God, when we'd rebelled against him, when we decided I'm going to do my own thing and do things my way, not your way, when we'd rebelled against God. That is called sin. And the Bible says that sin separates us from God such that we can't be like God and we can't be with God. Is that sin basically cuts us off from the presence of God. We start running our own direction. Nothing to do with God. And the Bible says this, is that God could have said, you know what? I divorce you. God could have said, you know, I quit on you. In fact, the Bible even does say that the wages of sin, the penalty for our sin is death and separation from God. Is that, in other words, because of our rebellious nature, because of our sin, our pride, our unwillingness to do things God's way, that that separates us from God and what we deserve is death. But see, because God loved us, because he cares for you. 
He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for your sins, to pay the penalty that you and I were supposed to pay so that we could be forgiven, so that our debt could be canceled. He did it so that we could have a way back to him. And not only did he die for our sins, but he rose again from the grave to show us that our two biggest problems in life, the burden of sin and the burden of death, are nothing compared to Jesus. Come on, give Jesus a big hand, a big shout in this place right now. Don't hold back, church. Come on, give God some praise in this place because that's what Jesus did. Tell your neighbor God cares for you. It's because he loves you. God loves you. If ever you've ever not known that or doubted that, the fact is, regardless of your performance, God loves you. It's through the cross of Jesus Christ where we can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God is good that we can trust him, and that he's ready, willing, and able to carry the burden you're feeling today. Because if Jesus could bear your greatest burden, the burden of sin, to the cross, then how will he not be, how will he not be able to carry that burden you're going through when it comes to your finances, or that burden you're carrying when it comes to that relationship you're struggling in right now, or that burden when it comes to your health, the health of someone you love, or the burden that comes with that that uncertainty in your future that you have no idea what's going to happen. Jesus is here to carry your burdens. Look at Psalm 68 verse 19 with me, reading in the big loud voice, one, two, three, it says, praise be to the Lord, to God our Savior, who daily bears our burdens. If you're wondering what that last word, selah, means, if you've seen it maybe a couple times already, Selah means, in a way, it means think about it. It means in a worshipful way, as you're worshiping and thinking and meditating on this verse, just pause and think about it and worship God as you do. Is that think, think about it. Think about the fact that God, our Savior, he wants to bear your burden. Here's a question for this morning. What's a burden you have today or a situation you're going through right now that you need to surrender to God? Is it regarding your family or your health health of someone you love, your finances, your future. Here's an exercise that I call the give it up that I want to share with you. And over the past year, I've shared with you a few exercises that I will do personally to help me in my relationship with God or to help me go through what I'm getting through. Uh, And, you know, there's stuff like the hope in. Uh, You guys remember this? Like the sit down, the store up. We talked about this. If you're wondering what we're talking about, go back to, you know, our podcast back in uh, February. We did a series called The God and Me Experience, how to experience more of God. And we talked to you about those different exercises. Today, I want to give you a new exercise. Is that okay? It's called the give it up. Everyone say the give it up. The give it up. See, what is the give it up? How do you do the give it up? Here it is. You write this down. Whenever you are bothered by something, whenever you're bothered by a burden or a worry or a problem, you say to God, God, I give this up to you. God, I give that burden to you. God, have your way with me. See, when you're doing the give it up, you are surrendering your burden to God. See, notice I'm not just telling God my problem honestly. Even more, I'm transferring ownership of my problem to God now. I'm saying, God, this is no longer my problem. This belongs to you. I give it to you. It's not my burden to bear anymore. This is now in your hands. And you know what? That might sound cruel, but the fact is this. God loves it when you do it. It's because he wants to be the God who daily bears your burdens. Would you tell your neighbor to say, give it up already? Give it up already. Give it up already. And see, when I do the give it up, I find this, is that in my heart, there is a peace because it's no longer me just trying to handle that problem on my own. Now it's God is helping me bear this burden. It's in God's hands, not my hands. And with that surrender comes a peace that's greater than my problem. All of a sudden, after I give it up, I don't have to give up. 
after I give it up, I can keep on going and I can not give up because I've given the burden to God. Come on, give God a big, big hand here in this place right now. That is called the give it up. Turn neighbor one more time and say, give it up already. Amen. Some of you, you're hearing today and you are so frustrated with life right now and you're just kind of on an edge or an, on like just like hanging by a thread right now because you've been hanging on to your problem all by yourself. You've been trying to figure it out all on your own when God is saying, surrender it to me. Give it up already. See, Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. See, when you surrender your burden to God, you find rest for your soul. Number three, is this helpful in this place this morning? Number three, why don't you write this down? Give thanks to God. Give thanks to God. You know, the third thing that Jesus did that helped him experience a peace that's greater than his problem is he gave thanks to God. Now, you might be looking back at Mark and uh, you know, Mark 14, and you'll be looking at the passage we just read and going, JB, Pastor JB, I'm reading my Bible, and I think you're reading into it a little bit too much. You know, I don't see where Jesus gives thanks. I see him being honest with God. I see him surrendering his problem. I don't see him giving thanks. JB, don't be reading too much in the, in the scripture. Let me tell you this. I want you to do this. Is, uh, I want you to turn to Mark chapter 14, verse 22. Mark chapter 14, verse 22. And see, get this, an hour before Jesus is at the Garden of Gethsemane, an hour before God is honestly, before Jesus is honestly telling his father his troubles, an hour before he's surrendering his burden to God, we find Jesus doing this in Mark chapter 14. Get ready to underline something today. Verse 22, it says, while they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, take it, this is my body. Would you underline these two words, gave thanks? Gave thanks. Keep on going. Verse 23. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, and they all drank from it. Would you underline the words? Gave thanks. Verse 24 says, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. He said to them, I tell you the truth, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it anew in the kingdom of God. When they had underlined these words, sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. What's going on? On the worst night of Jesus' life, on the most stressful night of Jesus' life, Jesus gave thanks. He didn't just give thanks once. He gave thanks at least three times. He gave thanks not just in spoken word. He gave thanks in song as well. And see, a hymn is a song of praise and celebration to God. He was singing on the worst day of his life. See, Jesus understood the power of thanksgiving. You know, some people, when they think of Jesus, they may be, oh, yeah, you know, Jesus, I bet he was so thankful because he was so powerful. The fact is, I tend to think of it in reverse is that I believe one of the reasons why Jesus was so powerful was because he was so thankful. Because there's a power in thanksgiving, amen. When you give thanks to God, it helps you to see your situation a little bit more clearly. When you give thanks to God, it helps you to see your life isn't so bad the way you've been complaining. When you give thanks to God, it helps you to see your problem is not nearly as big as you've been making it out to be. When you give thanks to God, it keeps you afloat when your circumstances make you want to sink. Giving thanks to God is powerful. Giving thanks to God is a weapon against your problems in life. Philippians 4, 6 and 7, that's why it says, read it with me, it says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Would you underline those two words, with thanksgiving? See, I'm not, I'm not sure about you, but you know, in your prayer life, how often do you thank God and how often do you ask God for help? If you're someone who's often asking God for stuff, but you're not spending time thanking him, then that's, could, that could very well be the reason why you're missing a piece that's greater than your problem. Here's a question today. In the difficult time you're going through today, what is one thing you can thank God for? 
What is one thing you can thank God for in your difficult situation now? Because here's what I absolutely believe is that even in the most difficult situation, there is always something to be thankful for. If you're not sure what to be thankful for, then let me give you a few clues. Thank God that God is greater than your situation. Thank God that what you're going through is part of a greater story that God is writing and he's not finished writing it. You'll thank God that his grace is sufficient for you. Thank God that even in this situation you're going through right now, God is working for the good of those who love him. That includes you. Thank God that he's the lion of Judah, that he's our joy and justifier. Thank you that he's the shield of our right hand. Thank you that, that Jesus says the best is yet to come. Give God a big hand, a big shout in this place. Come on, give God some thanks. Amen. See, that's the power that Jesus models for us, is that when you go to God in prayer with thanksgiving, you can sing even on the worst night of your life. See, earlier this week, I was going through a stressful, busy day. It's been a stressful season, a busy season. Uh, on Thursday, I was, I was just kind of dealing with some unresolved issues, and uh, I, I just was like, you know, I, I need to go and pray. And so I, I went into my office upstairs, and I did the three things that we're talking about today. I, you know, I, I was honestly telling God the stuff I was going through. I was you know, surrendering my burden to God. I was giving thanks to God. And it was funny. After that time, you know, I, and I, you know I, I get up from that time. And all of a sudden, without me thinking about it, all of a sudden there's like a song in my heart at the end of all that. And it wasn't one of those like, you know, yesterday, all my troubles seem so far away. Or kind of like a grieving pity party kind of song. You know what song was in my heart? It's a song that I haven't sung in like 10 years. It's a song that I wasn't thinking about for 10 years. Uh, it's actually a song in Mandarin. And my Mandarin is not good, but it goes like this. It goes, And you know, my, my Mandarin is bad, but I think what that means is, my heart rejoices while I worship you. Your word makes me strong. And in fact, I, even, I shared that song with my staff later on that day. And the next day, one of my staff is singing that song. It goes to show that the peace of God is contagious. Amen. Amen. But see, here's the thing, is that if you are going through a difficult time today, if you want to experience a peace that is greater than your problem, then start thanking God as well. Pray to God. Honestly, tell him what you're going through. Surrender that burden to God, and don't forget to give God thanks. Come on, give God a big, big hand here in this place right now. Amen. Two final tips for you as we finish off today is, number one, go out of your way to meet with God. If you want all of this to start working in your life, Go out of your way to meet with God. See, you can practice these tips anywhere, anytime. You can surrender to God anytime. You can, you can tell God your troubles anywhere. You can do it on your way to school. You can do it on your way to work. You can do it on your way home. But I find this, that it especially helps not just to do it when it's convenient, not just to do it when you're on your way to something else, but it especially helps when you go out of your way to meet with God. Notice what Jesus did. He went out of his way to meet with God. Look at Mark chapter 14, verse 35. What does it say? It says, going a little farther. He fell to the ground and prayed that it possible the hour might pass from him. Would you underline those words, going a little farther? Sometimes you have to go a little farther. Sometimes you have to go out of your way to meet with God. And that's why I encourage you is that if you want to make prayer more of a habit in your life, come to our midweek prayer, our midweek prayer meeting. You know, it's on Wednesdays, every other Wednesday. Our next one is this Wednesday. And uh, we encourage you to come and join us for that. You know, we say that much prayer much power, but it also means much peace as well. And so I want to encourage you to make, go out of your way. Turn to your and say, go out of your way. Go out of your way. Not just with your church, but on your own as well. Go out of your way. Carve out time just to be with God, just to spend time with him, and you will find that you are giving God room to work in your life and to give you a peace that the world cannot give. Number two is go to God often, as many times as you need. Let me ask you this. 
on Jesus' most stressful night of his life, how many times did Jesus go to his father in prayer? How many times, in that, even just in that garden alone, how many times did he go to, G, go to his father in prayer? At least three times. At least three times. Look at Mark chapter 14, verse 39. What does it say? It says, once more he went away and prayed the same thing. You know, sometimes it's not enough just to do something once, especially when it comes to prayer. Sometimes after you give it up to God, you surrender to God, you lift it up to God, you do the give it up, you give it up to God, sometimes it comes back down again. Because, you know, we get worried and we get stressed. And, you know, a few hours later or a, a, a day later, we, we kind of get stressed again. And you just have to lift it up to God again. It's almost like, almost like a volleyball. You're just kind of, you know, just keep on lifting it up. You keep on lifting it up. And why is that? Why doesn't God just do it all once? Why not give us a permanent peace? Why not give us like a perma peace? Where it's like it's always there, you know. And the fact is there, there's a certain extent to which it is always there. But there might be certain issues in your life where you get, you have this propensity to worry. You have this propensity to stress out again. Why does God do that? It's because he's teaching us to depend on him. Because it really, it's not just about, you know, a vending machine where we punch the right buttons and we get what we want. It's a relationship that Jesus is after. Look at Philippians 4, 6, and 7 one last time. And we're going to end with this today. Read this with me. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Last three words to underline. They're the most important three words. Would you underline in Christ Jesus? See, at the end of the day, what I'm talking to you about is not techniques of prayer. What I'm talking to you about is a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, in Jesus Christ. See, the key to have a peace that passes understanding is prayer, but the peace that passes understanding is Jesus. It's Jesus. It's Jesus that you need more than any other friend. It's Jesus that you need more than a plan. It's Jesus that you need more than a person. It's Jesus that you need more than anything else. Jesus is the peace that's greater than our problem. If you believe that, give Jesus a big hand and a big shout in this place right now. Amen. Would you turn neighbor and say, Jesus is my peace. He's not just the one who gives peace. He is our peace. Are you, are you glad you came to this place this morning? Would you stand up to your feet? Give God a big hand, a big shout in this place together one more time. I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask. Oh, you guys didn't do that very well. Let's give God a big, big hand in this place right now. Can we do that right now? I'm going to take this moment to lead you in a prayer right now. And we're going to have a chance to practice really briefly some of the things that we've been talking about today. But before we do any of that, we want to pray for those of you who want to receive Jesus Christ into your life. The fact is this, before we can truly experience the peace of God, we need to make peace with God. And to experience the peace with God, it's about receiving Jesus into your life. The Bible says that all of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glory, but because Jesus died on the cross for our sins, we can make peace with God. That we can be with him again, forgiven of our sins, a relationship restored with him because of the blood and the body that Jesus shed on the cross for us. And if you've never opened up your heart to Jesus, it's as simple as praying a prayer. It's not based on what you can earn because we can never earn this gift, but it's simply about receiving it by faith. And you can pray a simple prayer like the one I'm going to lead you right now. If you want to receive Jesus Christ into your life today, if you want to be forgiven of your sins, I want to encourage you right now just to lift your hand to God. Just lift your hand to God. Don't worry about what your neighbor's doing. This is between you and God right now. Just lift your hand to God and uh, let the height of your hands just reflect how much you need God today. I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with me. Why don't you just pray this prayer with me today? You can say, Lord Jesus, I need you. 
I ask you to come into my life, forgive me of my sins, and make me a new person inside. Thank you that you died on the cross to pay for my sins, that you rose again to give me life. And so I invite you into my life to be my Savior and my King. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. If you pray that prayer, we'll just keep your hands raised and give a shout to God right now. Come on, give God a big hand, a big shout together in this place.